What's up? What's up? It is episode, what is this, 94 of the SoCo Show. 69. And uh, it's not 60, 69, but uh, that is, of course, the voice of the SoHo host, Seth Ott. Yeah. And this is, of course, the voice of the co-host, Cody Michael. And uh, I got to tell you this. I am the cream. <laughs> I am the cream. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to a bunch of um, creamy voice, a clips. bunch of Macho Man Randy, yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, that yeah. dude was fucking hilarious. Ooh. He did like a. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you, <laughs> it's very weird. I'll see if I can find. Um, yeah, right here. To the top, oh yeah, Macho Madness. He has got more to offer than President Jack. Good more to offer. To offer. More to offer. Ooh, yeah. than the cream. <laughs> So that's so, that's the kind of shit I do. <laughs> so now with the um, the new release exam, with so you've always done if you win, then you get that LeBron James thing. Now mm-hmm. if if you lose, that means that I win and I that I'm the cream and you got to play that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I lose, then you're the cream. That, that I think that makes sense. Yeah, I'm gonna um, cream. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to just stop right there. The um, <laughs> we got to get away. We got to get away from that. Oh, that's nasty. We're always moving towards uh, the green. Let's see. Lots of fun stuff uh, in the show this week. A lot of TV news. We're going to review a lot of shit this week. So not, not shit as in bad, but uh, a lot of things, you a lot know. of movies. We got, well, we got five movie reviews and four, count them, four TV corners. Seth, that's an entire room's worth of television reviews. Hell yeah. That's a that's a house. It is a house. The TV house. <laughs> that's how you become the cream by building the TV Hell yeah. house. You can cream all over your house. Uh, it's your house. That's gonna okay. Yeah. And yeah. It's your house. <laughs> no one can tell you where you can cream uh, if it's your own house. Okay. That's plenty of that. Um It's also hey. it's John Wick Week. It is. It's Wick Week. Wick week, week. It's the week of the Wick. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh we're gonna have a, a John Wick themed Mambo number five this week that I'm really excited well, to get into. You've got tickets. So by the time this episode releases, Seth, you will have seen John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum. Are you are you are you excited about that? Or are you just pretty nonchalant? Let's just say that in about twenty three hours from now, the amount of cream that will be produced will be unprecedented. Oh, here we go with the cream. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's got more to offer you. <laughs> I'm the cream. Uh, okay. Well, John Wick, of course, getting high high results uh, on the Rotten Tomatoes uh, review system. So uh, I'm excited to get to that this weekend as well. And I'm sure many of our listeners are excited at least to hear you shut up about it. So we'll, we'll be we'll be pumped to get. I'll never shut up about it. I, I do want to. So one thing I wanted to mention this week, one of the character, one of the one of the actors in Avengers Endgame is Benedict Wong. You're familiar with him, right? He plays, of course, Wong uh, from from Doctor Strange. He's his his buddy, sidekick kind of dude. I learned something about Benedict Wong this week that I wanted to share with the group, and uh, I'm very excited because I, I found this out. Did you know that Benedict Wong is not the same person as B. D. Wong? Yes. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone and think about this how much we talk about movies and how much we talk about actors many times in my life BD Wong has been mentioned uh-huh. and every single time I have thought that those people were talking about Benedict Wong really 
every single fucking now i've seen a picture of the second guy bd yeah, wong they look very different they're very very different two separate individuals entirely but every conversation i've had that's included bd wong i've been a total dumbass about for my entire 27 year life <laughs> yeah bd wong is in two of my favorite shows uh ever uh, gotham and mr robot Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's why I don't know who the fuck he is, because he's in yeah. your shows. He was in Bird Box, though. That's that's where I remembered having seen that guy. Hmm. But I, I thought BD was short for Benedict somehow. Does that, is, is, that, is that ridiculous? Am I stupid? That is, that is completely ridiculous. Oh, BD, BD is short for Benedict? It's not I like there's... <laughs> Like there's a the D is capitalized in Benedict, dude. I don't the dude. He's Asian. I don't know. I don't know how the fuck they they abbreviate shit over there. And also, if I could go by CD, I totally would because that's cooler than Cody. If you and go so, by, if you if you go by CD, then the D has to be capitalized in your name. So it would look completely ridiculous. I don't know. I, sometimes sometimes I write my name C O dash D. Oh, do you? And I. Yeah, when I, when I'm trying to be a robot, that's what I. Cody is my robot name. Sure, you're trying um, to be like a. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to be like a character in like Fortnite or something. Yeah, or a SoundCloud rapper. There you go. <laughs> so B B D Wong for those at home who didn't know, and I there's I I submit that I'm I'm not the only person who was wrong about this. I th- I, I don't think there's that many. Uh, that, th- that there might not be many, but I bet that. you there's at least one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I bet you there are some. I bet you there are more than one other person. And I, I am, I implore you, SoCo listeners, come to my aid and join me by admitting you're, you're, you're all, you're also uh, ignorant to BD and Benedict Wong's uh, separation as people, and make me feel a little less dumb because I felt very silly when I found that out. You know what? I actually don't don't tweet him about that. Tweet tweet him if you thought BD was short for Benedict. <laughs> Because that is quite possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It could have been like a nickname or something, you know? I don't think so. Dude, I mean, we live in a world where fucking William can be Bill and Robert is Bob. Okay, but there's a precedent set for that. There isn't a precedent for Benedict. I I didn't know! How many fucking Benedicts do you know? That very well could have been... I also don't know... I mean... People don't call you CD. Like that. I mean, people don't call me ST. I Saint. You can call me Saint. But like, <laughs> fucking BD short for Benedict. I dude. I maybe maybe it was a nickname. Also, it could have been like I had only heard it spoken. I had not seen it written before. So it could have been like beady, like 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 bead, like beady eyes, or something. How I didn't know if it was. I don't. It could have been like Beatty is just, an, I don't know, maybe his friends call him Beatty and so he goes by that. I don't fucking know, dude. All I know is that I thought that was Beatty Wong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that's, a, I mean, I certainly feel dumb, but like, I think it's a reasonable amount of dumb yeah. that I feel. I mean, I think it's all relative, but. Well, yeah, but all I know is that it, we were talking about Doctor Strange and how Wong is in there, but Beatty Cumberbatch is great in <laughs> Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 that honestly that's the most exciting thing that happened to me in the past week yeah i can't can't wait to go to breakfast this weekend and get some eggs bd <laughs> just don't betray anybody or they're gonna call you a bd arnold <laughs> uh what's what's going on with you this week anything anything fresh uh i guess, i mean i don't know if it's fresh or not but, um <laughs> Uh, so I did it. I went to, I think I mentioned it last week. I was thinking about going to Avengers for a third time. And I did in fact do that because I have no life. And 
I so I, I went to the movie and expecting you know the same exact events that have happened the two previous times times that I've gone to go down again you know same trailers like there were the last few times whatever. All of a sudden though, before the movie starts, Tom Holland pops up on screen and I'm like what what's this? And if you saw this last week, uh, they released a Spider-Man Far from Far from Home trailer, and within that. If you saw the thing online, he talks about spoilers. Hey, if you've seen Avengers Endgame, uh, or if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, don't watch this trailer. There's spoilers. And what popped up on on my screen was that same shot of him that doing that of you know same same clothes, same background, same everything. Saying you know if you if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, don't watch this. I when I saw him pop up like that instantly in my mind, I'm like, oh fuck, they oh, screwed no. the theater. The theater screwed up. <laughs> and they put the, they put the, the far from home trailer in front so i had in like a split second just a mild panic attack because it was again an entirely full theater there was one seat left this is on saturday at eleven fifteen. so i know there's a bunch of people here who, had, who hadn't seen it too you know I, i'm sure a, a good portion of us had already seen it but there's people in there that i know hadn't seen it yet even the people i was sitting next to hadn't and so like just the horror in my mind of like these people <laughs> getting <laughs> the entire trailer spoilers for the movie so <laughs> like these people just like what that would have been so horrifying but he was talking about something else I'm, I'm, well luckily he goes um you know hey tom holland here uh stay after the credits and you can see far from home trailer uh oh, so okay. that, that that's what they ended up adding after uh the movie instead of just the sounds of iron clanking they added mm-hmm. uh, spider-man far from home trailer as well so and i, st- I did mm-hmm. stay for that because i hadn't seen it on the big screen yet and it actually kind of did help now that I knew what to pay attention for, it was kind of cool to see it on the big screen. Avengers I kind of the- wish it had gone badly. I kind of wish that oh, they had shown it and you could have been there for that. It would have been great. It would have been an amazing story. But it just that, even just that, like, I, I think an entire, like, 30 seconds of my life had been played out in that that split second. Because <laughs> I just imagined, like, it being, it's like, like, someone was, was like, showing a, a, you know, like, a, a an animal being beat on screen. Like, that type of thing. Like, people were just like, oh, no! what what is going on <laughs> but oh, pro- humanity pro- probably went down like that you would have heard the the fucking fish in the background go my leg <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> you bring up a good point um because we've been we've been dancing around end game spoilers um and i think if if it's okay with you seth and i think it will be should we should we call for an end? I think I think I submit that starting next week, we we call for an end to our spoiler embargo on on Endgame. How do you feel? I mean, that's fine. I don't know how much more we'll bring it up at this point <laughs> until yeah. at least until Spider Man, which is only a few months away actually. But yeah, I mean, I I I was okay with spoiling it, you know, last week because you know it made two billion dollars already. Yeah. Okay. So this is your this is your warning. We'll warn again next week. Starting next week, we will we will we will grant ourselves the freedom to casually mention anything we fucking want from Avengers Endgame. So even if we're not specifically talking about the movie, we may drop some shit in. You've had a month to watch it, just about. If you haven't seen it, fine. But just know that this this podcast will no longer be avoiding Endgame spoilers. I think yeah. I think it's been a fair amount of time. Starting next week, we'll be we'll be kind this week though. And if you don't chew Brig Vred, then fuck you. <laughs> then fuck you. <laughs> Lots of great stuff to get into today, but we're going to start, like we always do, with Chic Tweets. I call you a punk. 
It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> so you can definitely go fuck yourself, but the timeline has not yet been determined. That's true. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Nothing new from the Sheik. He just wants us all to know that we can go fuck ourselves. That's so, true. Yeah. But we always need a reminder. So I'm glad that we had it this week. I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, it's audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Booyah. Mathis Designs on Etsy. It's etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. And of course, Mike's Wood. Etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wed to get your wood worked. Mm. Mm. I tell you this. That's what my, that's exactly what I was gonna do. I am the queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh let's let's jump into the, the show proper and uh we're gonna start with a couple of headlines from the world of television. That's what she said. TV. So uh, a couple quickie stories. We're going to link to these in the description box in case you want to read more. First of all, Disney is now in uh, operational control of Hulu, which may sound confusing for folks, um, but Hulu is a joint venture between a lot of different companies, and the Fox acquisition didn't quite give Disney control over the entity, but now they've bought out Comcast, who had about a third of the of the uh, ownership, and now Disney is in total control of Hulu. So we talked about that last week, um, about, um, Ghost Rider getting a show on Hulu. So, uh, more Disney stuff on Hulu to come and, and we'll see what they do with it. Uh, next, a, a show that I've really enjoyed watching Black Mirror is set to return. Apparently three new episodes are going to drop in June. First week of June, you can catch those on Netflix. So for you Black Mirror fans, just a few more weeks, uh, until new episodes, check that out. Is Miley Cyrus in that? She is. Yeah, she okay. is in an episode. I think she even plays a singer. So Ooh. that one that one looks like it could be it's gonna be a stretch for her acting wise, but uh, <laughs> we'll see, uh we'll see. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. One thing that actually reminded me real quick of the uh with talking about Black Black Mirror. So apparently uh Netflix is gonna be doing one of these play as you go type things that they have. You know, like the the you know, the, the Black Mirror episode that they had. Band what was it called? Choose your adventure. Yeah, what was it called? Bandersnatch or Bandersnatch. whatever? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. They're doing one of those f- for Kimmy Schmidt, actually. Is that right? Yeah. I played one of those with, like, it's like You versus Wild. I did, like, an episode of that. That was, it was for whatever. But a Kimmy Schmidt one could be kind of fun because they'll be very self-referential and stuff. So I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, well, never mind. Everything I was about to say was gross, so I'm just going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I really um, like feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Where's that one? I really like feet. <laughs> I love the music uh, in the background, too. I know. It's so perfect. Um, by the way, if you haven't yet, if you don't know what that is from, uh, it is from the latest JB sketch. Uh, it's a commercial for Honest Match. So make sure you go check that out over on the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. And, and check that out. Very, very funny. So go, go, uh, go give that a listen. I've also heard uh, that that's been recut. And uh, is also a Dr. Scholl's ad now, too. <laughs> I wonder if that, that character can get a, a, um, a spokesperson, can be a spokesperson for Dr. Scholl's. 
uh, main TV story this week. It is May. It is renewal season. And uh, we're going to we're going to link to a list of all the things that have been renewed and not renewed. Uh, highlight for me, the Orville uh, getting another season is very exciting. And uh, lots and lots of other stuff. Seth, what, what, what is something that you're stoked about getting a renewal and or uh, something that has been canceled that that you are now uh, releasing from your list of active shows? I don't know if there's anything that that uh, that's been canceled other than, I guess, Santa Clarita Diet. That's the one I've kind of been the most uh, butthurt about. Uh, but Miracle Workers got renewed for a season two, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I know you watch that too, so uh, yeah, I thought that that was I thought it was kind of a a oneer. I didn't know that it was even in the running for a renewal. That's what it kind of seemed like, but I'm excited. I like that cast a lot, so that'll be fun. Um, but then This Is Us got renewed for three more seasons, so uh, they're I think they've already been renewed for this upcoming one, but then they just added two more, so they're they're on on the slate for uh, three more. And they kind of did this with the, after the first season. They renewed it for a couple ahead of time. So for season two and three, that just completed. And then uh, now they're doing, again, four, five, four, five and six. I, I know there's been other shows that have done this, like Goldberg's did that in the past. They actually got renewed as well. Um, Goldberg's in Schooled, so they'll be back for another season. Very excited about that. Nine, Brooklyn Nine-Nine also did too. But uh, yeah, with, with This Is Us, they're, they're, this and a couple other shows have done this where they, they renew multiple seasons ahead because it's, you know, it's just so popular and everything like that. Game of Thrones, I think, had done that as well. It's interesting because if you look at, if you look at like Game of Thrones this season, um, a lot of people have felt like it's rushed and, and aren't, aren't as high in it as past seasons. And I think that, I mean, again, with other shows that have done this too in the past, I, it, it's interesting with being knowing when when you're how far ahead you have or just like being able to with having that cushion because like you look at a show like breaking bad they knew from the beginning how what their arc was but -hmm. some of these other shows like game of thrones has gone past the books and this is us kind of has gone away from its initial premise and everything like that um what do you think about when it comes to like planning out ahead or uh, when it comes to just knowing exactly where you're at or where you're going to be for for the foreseeable future, what do you think that does for quality of the shows and and just the overall the overall arc of a show? So I would rather I would rather every show get its its original arc, and I think there's a couple ways for that to kind of happen. Um, in the case of a This Is Us, right, to give it three more seasons, I think allows them to logically come up with an end to the show and you know assuming for now that they're not going to be renewed after that season we'll give them a a chance to storyboard out everything they want to do knowing that they're going to get all three of the seasons they want I think that's a good thing um I don't know why it would hamper and except for making people lazy because they know their job's not at stake Mm -hmm. um but I don't think that's as much of a thing and I think if you have a narrative you want to tell a la a Breaking Bad, then it helps to know how much time you have left. Um, on the flip side of that, if you have a show like, and maybe This Is Us is kind of more similar to this kind of a show, but if you think about like New Girl, mm-hmm. and New Girl had quite a bit, of, quite a long run, and then eventually they told them, hey, it's your last season, it's a shortened one. And that's most commonly when you see like a rush job at the end mm-hmm. in order to kind of cram in the stuff they want. I don't know why Game of Thrones is having a hard time landing the bird here because they've known for a while this was going to be their last season. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that has as much to do with 
what we're talking about here as just just botch the execution on the final season because I think having you know knowing ahead of time that you've got X seasons to to land the bird so to speak um, is good and again I would rather every show get that opportunity I think the problem is if you have an indefinite show that doesn't have a logical end and you're just renewing and renewing and renewing until you can't anymore and then you have to bring it to a stop that's a big problem and that's how you end up with crappy endings the other problem is if you have a long arc that you're trying to complete and then you get canceled in the middle of it, then that sucks because you don't get a chance to tie up all your loose ends. So, mm-hmm. you know, if the choice is between getting canceled early, running too long, and then a rush job at the end, or like this is us, here's your runway, figure out a way to, to bring it home, I would much prefer every show get that opportunity. But, you know, we'll see what they do with it because I think this is us as a show. I think they've had to stretch a little bit to keep finding interesting things to talk yeah. about in that show. And so the fact that it's three more seasons for that show seems like a lot to me. Yeah, that that's that's where that, that worries me because I'm much more of a fan of your your season by season and you just gotta survive. You got you gotta be able to keep keep your ratings up and you gotta be able to because um, a lot of shows that are these season by seasons will end with something that makes makes a logical sense that could you know, end not just the season, but you know the series. You know, a lot of them, mm-hmm. the, a lot of a lot of the shows that are that do it right will, you know, leave it like a little cliffhanger or leave something. Especially if they're like these type of shows that aren't you know guaranteed to renew, like your This Is Us's. But they'll leave a little something. But for the most part, everything's wrapped up, and it's it's those shows that have to fight season by season that generally end up with better content for the most part. I mean, some shows they just don't get audiences, but. It's the, it, for for me. It's I, I think it's those shows, um, minus a few exceptions that that when they have to fight season by season, they don't know what they're gonna like. Community, for example, those first like four seasons of Community, they didn't know if they had a they had a job. You know, like they didn't know if, if after ten episodes they were done. They didn't know after this next season they were done. So those first few seasons of Community were amazing. Arrested Development's another example. It's when they finally got okay, we're coming back because people like us now. That's when it kind of got the office is the office and Parks and Rec are both examples of that too. Like the office mm-hmm. really wasn't popular until after like season like three, four, five, and then that's that's a lot of times when pe- people are saying you know it kind of went downhill and that type of thing. Um, Parks and Rec was kind of the same way. It's and part of that too is a product of you know after a certain point, you know you can only write about so much. But I think too part of it is is you have to fight for every single episode and you have to fight to to make sure this is entertaining. Breaking Bad, I think, is one exception where Vince Gilligan came in and knew what the entire arc was. He knew where it was going to start, and he knew a lot of the middle stuff. It was just a matter of how much he had to stretch. Um, and but he also did knew know that he wanted to end it, you know, and didn't want to keep it going forever, which he could have if he wanted to. Sopranos is kind of something on the other end of it. A lot of people hated those last few seasons, and especially the ending. And so they, they HBO just kept renewing them because it was a, a hit maker. Uh, it was it was a it was a fucking mint because people loved it so much. They were they were printing money. I I just I, I think it's hard to completely evaluate this on on that type of level because there's so many situations. But for me, it's those it's the shows that you know just season by season type of thing that end up producing the best stuff because they're backed into a corner. Yeah, and I I think there's a distinction too. Your a show that can do that. Breaking Bad is so just an outlier in this whole thing, right? Because Breaking Bad from Jump Street was here is everything we're going to do. I think most TV shows are open-ended, you know, and they don't know exactly how they want to finish the show. 
And so it makes sense to do exactly like you're saying. Each episode or each season could end the show um, because they don't have a goal in mind, except for like How I Met Your Mother, you know, where they had a goal in mind from Jump. But But then then they got stretched out. Exactly. They could meander around as much as they wanted to for however long. And then they had to land the bird and it ended up they had gotten so far away from their original intent that it was shocking for them to go back to it. Um, Mm hmm. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. And that's, I mean, TV is like you're saying, you know, fight for every episode. Um, but I think when possible, that's why I like limited series so much mm-hmm. because they're not trying to get renewed. You know, uh, Miracle Workers, I really enjoyed because it had a beginning, middle and ending. And I'll, I'm, I'll be excited to see what they do next. But mm-hmm. that was a complete show. The Sinner is one that you like. It's, yep. They knew they were going to be able to tell their story. Um, things like Big Little Lies uh, is another one. So Sharp these objects. shows that... Sharp Objects is another one. Yeah. Shows that start off as, as a limited series and then they can be extended, but because it's a limited series, then you know you're going to get a complete story each time they come out, which mm-hmm. which I, I really enjoy. It's a tough world, though. TV, I mean, TV is, is complex and they're dealing with a lot of that ratings bullshit and, you know, how many great shows that might have had great arcs got canceled early mm-hmm. because people weren't jumping on board, you know? That's, um, you know, Mulaney, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, even no, like that show wasn't very good. <laughs> I mean, like Last Man on Earth is another 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 example. Like they they were never never promised anything, and uh, mm-hmm. every season it was kind of on the chopping block till they finally were, and they finally hit the chopping block. But you know, like they they I listened to some stuff with Will Forte, and you know he just he worked his ass off on that show, and he was involved in, in writing all those episodes, whether or not he, you know, was the actual, you know, screenwriter on that one. They, they, he was involved in every single episode and, you know, they had to, to really work hard on it to keep it on there. And, and they gained a nice little cult following, but unfortunately it wasn't enough, you know, and with how hard they worked, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things like, yeah, like you said, TV is there's, there's thousands of, of scripts and pilots that are shot that no one ever sees the light of day on because they mm-hmm. just, you know, just they, they don't make the cut. And then even if you can even get a show on the air, but you I mean to even to get a renewal is like probably the most difficult thing you can do in TV because I mean, there's all these shows like that, that Abby show that was on NBC had a pretty cool cast, a decent cast to it and, and had a good premise. And most, a lot of people liked it, but it just didn't get watched and boom, it's gone, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's interesting. TV is so interesting because there's how there's been so many, shows in the past that i've loved that have only gotten one two seasons and uh a lot of other people love but it's you have to have the 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 universal audience Mm -hmm. and you got to grab it quickly too that's that's the trickier part Mm -hmm. is you got to get an audience immediately you're not even getting off the ground so it's tough uh let us know folks out there what what are your thoughts would you rather your shows get get uh renewed for multiple seasons at a time or do you think that it should be a season-by-season basis? Uh, what are some of your favorite shows that were canceled too early or that went on too long? I bet that's a longer list. So uh, let us know. Our contact info is in the description box. Uh, on the tweets, we're at underscore Cody Michael, at Seth O'Water, at Soko Show Pod. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are on this week's main story out of television. So let's jump out of the news and into reviews. It's Seth's TV Corner. Television! Nobody puts baby in a corner. Four corners make a room, and we got a whole TV room today. Uh, oh, hi, Mark. I, it's, it's a whole bunch of different stuff, uh, but kind of just from two universes. Four shows from two universes. 
Uh, I'll let you determine the order in which you're going to tell us about them, but I'm excited to hear about a couple of these. Yeah, it's the it's the the quad corner. Yeah, so uh, four four shows, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff's ending at the same time right now. So we're gonna have quite a quite a few TV corners, but I'll be I'll be pretty brief on most of these. So um, the first two shows take place in the Goldbergs universe, not the Bill Goldberg universe, uh, like the wrestler. But the <laughs> you're uh, next. <laughs> but uh, the the Adam Goldberg universe. Let's start with the the original show, the OG, the Goldbergs. We're in season six. The again, they got renewed for season seven. It seems like they're definitely winding down now at this point. Um, Erica, uh, the sister, is uh, she dropped out of college to start a band, and, uh, and then she was like living at home and stuff like that. So now she's moving on to no- different stuff. Uh, uh, Barry, who's big tasty, um, he's he's going off to college now to become a doctor and stuff. So they're kind of moving on with his story. Adam's the only one left. He's in, he's still in high school. And then, of course, you know, you got the the mom and dad and and uh, the grandpa kind of still being around. But I, I think uh, I, I feel like it's either going to be this season seven will be the last season, or maybe do a, a season eight. Uh, maybe like this will be his junior in high school, and then season eight, uh, se- yeah, season eight will be his uh, his final one. But I mean, it's it's the Goldbergs. They always do a lot of just fun crazy weird random episodes it's very i mean they are so in their characters at this point it's i mean it's it's a routine to them like these these are the these are who they are you know it, they they know exactly what what they are they have all these great dynamics together they have all these stupid fun little side characters that, that pop in dave kim uh the the guy who loves rush with a ponytail <laughs> um johnny atkins that's his name um I, it's just the you know, it's 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 like the perfect sitcom. You know, it's it's funny. It has the feels to it. It's 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 like the it's like a family, an '80s family version of Scrubs in a lot of ways. Like they're just very similarly structured and have the same like pacing with jokes and and the same interaction with the characters in terms of like how they know each other and all that stuff. So um, there really wasn't like a big overarching plot in the show because you know it's it's just a slice of life show, but. Um, I do love it. Goldberg's one of my favorites, but uh, because it's not—I mean, at this point, it's so late in the game; it's hard for people to jump in. Um, I get, and you know, it's it's pretty standard show. I gave it uh, three point seven big tasties out of five. <laughs> I can vouch for the Goldberg's. Like, this is a show. E- even if you don't want to pick it up from the beginning, uh, you can just pop in and watch any episode, and you're going to have a good time. Um, even if you don't have all the background, you might not get every joke, but. But this is one that I I often would just pop in and watch the episode that you had on, and mm-hmm. that shit is funny. They do a really good job. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, so the the next one is the the spinoff show from the '90s called Schooled, uh, which stars Lainey, who is uh, Big Tasty's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's nasty. So uh, Lainey and the sh- and they they kind of do it that where they set up the spinoff. She goes off to LA in the eighties to kind of chase her dream as a, as a rock star. Uh, then she comes back in the nineties having not succeeded at that dream. Um, I think she goes back and lives with her dad. Who's played by Dave Keckner, who's Todd Packer in the office. And, and, uh, he, he's great. He's actually in, in the Goldbergs, uh, this season quite a bit, but cause he's, he's good friends with Murray, uh, the Goldbergs dad. But anyway, um, she becomes a, a, a teacher at the school. She's teaches music and so she goes back and works with some of the characters you've seen in the Goldbergs, uh, Coach Muller uh, and uh, uh, Glasscott, who's the the 
played by Tim Meadows. Uh, he he was the school counselor, and then he becomes the principal in the '90s. And so it's it, it's uh, that one is is it's I mean it's it's almost exactly like the Goldbergs minus the family aspect. This one takes pretty much takes place all pretty much all at school, um, and the family instead of being a family is all the teachers. And so they um, they do a good job of setting that all up. It, I think the one knock for me compared to the Goldbergs is that they just haven't had enough time yet to really build all that and and kind of to have the same type of chemistry. Um, they're getting there though. You know, the, it's a little bit shorter of a season and, and what they were building towards. I really enjoyed uh, the, really the only new character they introduced in terms of like a main character is this teacher named CB kind of a younger, younger guy. Um, I don't know. I think he might do like history or something, but um, he's kind of like the, the love interest type to Laney now. Mm-hmm. Now that big Tasty's not there. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know that that's kind of a, a different wrench they threw into it, but again, this still had the same really good comedy in it. Not not again, not quite as much because the chemistry's not there 100 percent yet. But Tim Meadows is hilarious. Uh, the coach from the Goldbergs is hilarious as well. So I enjoyed it. They had a lot of fun little guest spots too. Uh, Johnny Atkins, who is the Rush guy, he's he's now the janitor, so he's in there quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they had like they did have like uh, Beverly Goldberg, the mom, come in. They had Big Tasty in an episode. They, they threw in some of these other cast members to make it still, you know, kind of connected and all that. So this one I gave a um, little bit lower score just because it doesn't have the chemistry at uh, 3.5 uh, hot lanies. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> that last one was a half. Yeah, so I had <laughs> I had 3.7 big tasties and 3.5 hot lanies. Yeah, so this is one I haven't yet watched. I don't think, um, but the characters that you're mentioning that are that are crossing over from Goldberg's are all hysterical. So I'm interested to kind of see. Maybe I'll watch this sometime and see kind of how they're different or how they're interacting in the new show. But and, if it follows the same, I don't know something about the way the Goldberg's, the themes of the Goldberg's and the the sort of nostalgic callbacks and things like that. If they're able to translate those things over to the second show, then it certainly sounds worth watching to me. They, they definitely do. And that's actually one aspect I forgot to bring up is that um, I did connect to a lot more of the stuff they brought up, uh, like the themes, because it was 90s based. Uh, a lot of, they did have a lot of um, 90s music too. Like, uh, of course, you had to have Alanis Morissette's Ironic in one of the episodes. So that was oh, perfect. Yeah. But yeah, no, they, they do a really good job of, of translating the 90s. I mean, it's the same exact structure of the Goldbergs, but in the 90s with Laney. Um, it's not the same exact show necessarily, but it's, it's the structure is exactly the same, which is very smart of them to do because I know the ratings translated really, really well and from from the Goldberg, so which allow them to have an hour block every week now going forward. So that'll be fun. Fucking a uh, hot Laney, by the way, played by A.J. Mashaka uh, of Ali and A.J. fame. If you were a, if you were a Disney kid back in the day, they had a couple songs uh, on the Disney Channel. I don't know if you knew that, Seth. I did. Um, I didn't watch the Disney Channel uh, because. Uh, you know, I had cable, but, uh, <laughs> Disney was on cable. <laughs> uh, okay. I had, I had my own TV where I wasn't forced to watch things. How's that? But, uh, I was, I was growing up and watched Nickelodeon cause there's a lot more fun fart jokes and stuff on there. All right. Yeah. Salute your shorts. Come on. But, but, uh, yeah, I knew that. Well, good. I'm glad. Fucking. You didn't have to send I, me down. I, this here's what I'll say. I'm, I'm a Nick kid. I will say. But Disney Channel did have some good stuff to offer. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Come on. You suck. 
you just, you didn't have to take me down that dark place where people are just talking about Disney, Disney, and I'm like, no, come on, guys, Nickelodeon's way better. I, I you know, I one day I'll have my own podcast where I'll review TV shows and and uh, you know, I I know good TV. Listen to me, and they're like, no, Boy Meets World, Hannah Montana. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That's what now, Disney now look sound at like. Look at them now. now. Yeah. <laughs> None of them have podcasts that where where twenty people listen to them talk about TV shows. Yeah, some of them are just doctors. <laughs> but you and me, we're the cream. I am the cream. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, so switching gears out of out of the Goldberg verse uh, into a different a different verse. Yeah, this is the RuPaul verse. So I have. <laughs> I would watch the fuck out of the RuPaul verse. <laughs> no, this is the Arrowverse, um, which uh, I, you know, there's certain certain shows in the Arrowverse where, uh, you know, I, I might have more fun watching the RuPaul verse, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, luckily, I did actually kind of enjoy these these shows. So the first one's Arrow, the original, the OG, what started it all. Um, if you've seen the 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 promos and stuff or whatever online, uh, season started. Oliver was in jail. He uh, had been turned himself in for being uh, the Green Arrow uh, for like an FBI deal to protect him, for, protect his family from this guy named Ricardo Diaz. He he was kind of the big bad. He was the big bad last season. He was kind of the big bad for a short period in this one. Again, if you've seen any the the spoil or the the trailers or whatever, I mean, he gets out. That's obvious. That's going to happen. And he becomes uh, instead now like a, a deputy. He's he's can be the Green Arrow but for hire with the, the police department, which actually is a pretty big thing in the comics uh, where he does that, where he's basically a vigilante, but not a vigilante. He's, he's paid, he's part of the police force. And so that, that's the majority of the season. Along with that too, I'll, there, there is while Oliver is in jail. And then also after he gets out, he's, there's another green arrow uh, who is impersonating him and, and killing people and stuff too, um, which Again, if you've seen any of the the the, the trailers, uh, it's his sister. He has a, he has another long lost sister. They bring that stuff in there again with the, the 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 family and all that. Honestly, though, I did enjoy that stuff. Um, with at even though they've kind of gone back to the well with the you know the the siblings and things like that with with Thea and then Tommy and all this stuff that's happened in the past. I thought this worked. Um, they, they made it, they they did it just enough where I didn't it didn't felt too didn't feel too cheap for me and they kind of integrated all the stuff in with the entire arc of the season and also there was no meta villains there was no super powered villains it was all real stuff which is again when arrows is at its best uh those couple seasons where they were having these magical stuff go on that it was just dumb and uh so i'm glad i'm glad that they kept it with the realistic stuff they also instead of doing flashbacks uh like they had done the last you know However, how many years they did flash forwards in this season. So you get to see Star City as it is. Uh, I don't remember how far exactly. I'm assuming like 10, 20 years in the future, just by the age of some of the characters and stuff. But you get to see how that that is. You get to see the the kids now. Uh, You get to see Oliver and Felicity have a a girl, and she's in the future. Um, She didn't have a superhero name yet, but then you also see like Diggle's kid kind of be a hero now. and, and that was kind of interesting. It was like the new Team Arrow that they kind of set up. Hmm. It was it very much seemed like they this was kind of a, almost like a season, a series finale. Like they had maybe thought this might be the end of it uh, because it, it just I know like I know that next season 
the chick who plays Felicity, uh, Emily Bett Records, she's not going to be back. So this is her end. Uh, and then next season's only eight episodes and eight or ten, something like that. And then the way they ended this season, it it seemed like Arrow is just going to be an, a setup for Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I kind of had teased at um, the, the during the, the last crossover. Crisis on Infinite Earths is a huge, it's one of the biggest uh, DC crossover uh, comics. And so they're doing that next season with the, the Arrowverse. And I I think this is that the entire season of Arrow is just going to be to set all that up because the, the way it ended was was entirely crisis. So uh, overall, though, again, I did I did have fun with the season. I did enjoy it. I'm glad that they they kept it real uh, with with that stuff. You know, like the actual like kind of back to the beginning. They did kind of even you know call back to some of the stuff in the first season too. Um, and the way they wrapped up everything with the team arrow was, was really nice. I liked it a lot. So, um, I, uh, on the whole for this one, I'll give it uh 4.3 secret offspring out of five. <laughs> I like that 4.3 better than, better than I think recent seasons of arrow. So kind of a return to form you think has been, has been good for the well, series. L- last season w- would be about the same. I I'd probably put the, about the same exact, um, I actually probably liked last season a little bit more because it was centralized just on one story the entire time. Um, but the last few seasons have been just reality based without all the superpowers and stuff. And they've been really good. That's cool. Are you ready to let go of arrow with a short and final season? Yeah, I think so. Especially again with the way they ended it, uh, with it, it very much seemed like a, like a serious finale, uh, with, with all the, the team arrow stuff. I don't think it's, I don't think there's going to be really any, maybe a little bit of team arrow, but not, not a whole lot. I think it's going to be more Oliver based, which would be cool. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure there's, there'll be some reflection and, and it almost seemed like they're like, the it was almost like time might be time based and stuff so maybe it will be kind of like a greatest hits type of seasons i was almost hoping because the, the way they end it it you know seemed like oliver and felicity were going away and i thought maybe like he would have like one last mission by himself in the last season type thing where he has to go back and save a city but even like the, the end of it the title of the episode was you have saved this city so it just seemed like this was it, you know, this is kind of mm-hmm. it for, for star city and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I will, uh, I'll definitely be sad to see it go again. Cause it's been on for so long and I have enjoyed it quite a bit, but at the same time, it's, it's one of those things where it kind of needed to, to end to, and you know, Stephen Amell knew it. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's time. I dig it. So that's arrow. Dig it. Um, I, I don't know, but I, 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 I'm betting that this next one might have a lower score. You'd, you'd probably guess right. Um, <laughs> so the, this one is The Flash, um, season five of The Flash. And so this one, <laughs> again, they last season, they didn't do a speed-based, uh, speed-based boss. This season, again, for the most part, not a speed-based boss. Um, this one did kind of have a little bit more of a streamlined story, it seemed like, compared to... Uh, compared to Arrow, but it was focused on a on a villain named Cicada, who has like these knives. Um, very short run villain in the comics, but uh, he has like these knives. He can also like drain powers from uh, from the heroes, uh, the meta meta people, and he's out to hunt uh, and take all the power from the metas and stuff like that. So because he like feeds off of it, and Cicada is created because of. Barry and Iris's daughter, um, her name is escaping for some reason. Butthole. Her her her, her uh, superhero name is Excess, but I can't remember what her 
what her actual name is in the show. But anyway, she comes back from the future. She never had a chance to, to know Barry because he disappears in the future before she, you know, kind of gets older. And so she wants to come back and meet him, but she also wants to help save him because of what's going on with, with the future and, and Barry disappearing and all that stuff too. So they introduced that with this whole like weird makeshift relationship where like, they are not that far apart in age. <laughs> like they can't be more than like five, six years apart, but Barry and Iris treat Nora because she, uh, they, because, because they know like she's, she's their kid. They still, they treat her like a kid, but again, they're not that far apart in age, but, mm-hmm. they, but then Nora also treats them like, like they're her parents. It's weird. It's a weird thing. <laughs> like it, it makes sense in terms of like, just if you think of it, like the story wise but if you just like watch it it's like it's fucking weird <laughs> it's such a weird thing to see like yeah, if, the, if my 27 year old parents were like go to bed go i'd be like fuck you guys i'm the same age as you <laughs> right i would be like hey do you want a fucking shotgun a beer like instead yeah. of it's just very strange it's just the, the way they treat her also like the actress who is playing what it seems to be like a late or late teens early 20s girl is like 33 she's older than both Barry and the the act Grant Gustin and and the chick who plays Iris. So there's that storyline there. Just yeah, like the 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 arc with Cicada was kind of strange. Um, they kind of threw a threw a wrench in there. There was also they worked in the storyline with Reverse Flash from the original season, Eobard Thawne, and they kind of threw in the Speedster stuff again with that. And it just I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't know what it is about the Flash that I just can't get behind anymore. It just seems, it's fine. Like it's it's a it's a show that they try to they they're very like for as, as melodramatic Arrow is, as as dramatic melodramatic as Arrow is like Flash is is ten times worse. Um, but then they also try and throw in the comedy and and I don't know. I just it's way too goofy. Like Arrow, it's at least takes itself seriously and, and for the most part. Flash is just super damn goofy and and the time the time stuff is annoying and these these villains are super weak and I just I just can't get behind it. I don't know. Like I like it enough. It's it's it can be entertaining at times and there's points where I was kind of into it. This last episode, the finale, I I was into kind of what was happening and stuff, but the Flash and all the characters and stuff are way more suited for these crossovers than than they are really on their own show, unfortunately. So I I'll, I'll give it uh Still, I mean, fairly entertaining. Uh, 3.3 Future Offspring out of 5. <laughs> there you go. Future Offspring. Uh, I hope none of mine are coming back in time to come kick my ass for something stupid I did in the future. <laughs> so more uh, more Arrowverse to come in, in coming weeks. I, I'm sure the other shows are wrapping up here soon. Yeah, Supergirl ends this Sunday, and then um, Legends ends Monday. So... Um, I would say probably expect similar scores. Um, actually, probably maybe a lot lower in one of the instances mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for next week. But we'll have at least those two shows, and then we'll have Barry as well as a TV corner next week. Oh, and then, I can't wait to talk Barry. And then maybe one more uh, potentially. So we might have another quad corner next week. Another oh shit! Another room in the uh, the old Soco house, and uh, yeah. So we'll have a. Uh, have a, have a whole house coming up soon. and Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> well, there you go. Come on back for uh, for next week. Uh, potentially another another TV room. 
Uh, but either way, we still call oh, it. Hi, Dougie. <laughs> Television. Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Ooh yeah. Uh, Ooh. Let's switch gears here. I am the queen. <laughs> and we're gonna go over to uh, a couple of he- headlines from the world of movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. First of all, let's let the people know, uh, if you're listening to this on Friday the 17th, then you are going to have a chance at a couple of advanced showings. Uh, Friday night the 17th, uh, Booksmart is showing in uh, a lot of theaters uh, a couple weeks early. And then on Saturday, Rocketman, the uh, Elton John biopic, uh, Uh, is showing two weeks early. It's actually the reboot of the Rocketman movie from the late 90s. Ah, uh, yes, of course. How could I have yeah. forgotten? Yeah, so... Mm, should probably amend that. <laughs> uh, check out those two. I think Fandango is probably the best place to get tickets. Um, that's at least where we do it, so or where I do. So uh, check those out. Uh, I, I think between the two of us... Uh, well, you're going to both of those, is that right? Yas. Yas Queen. So we'll have reviews for both of those uh, early next week, so you can decide if you're going to go to those opening weekend um, so check that out um, if do you it. want to do some early screenings. Do it. Second of all, the Star Wars, uh, the next Star Wars trilogy, we alluded to, or we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, the next trilogy we're going to start seeing in 2022, I believe, or 2021. And uh, it's going to be another trilogy. We just found out that the heads or the creators of Game of Thrones are going to be at the helm for the new Star Wars trilogy, which I guess could mean some pretty cool shit. Uh, for a galaxy far, far away. So more to come on that. Link to the wider story in the description box, of course. And finally, uh, for headlines, a Mortal Kombat movie, a reboot, so to speak, is in the works. And it's actually going to start filming this year. So uh, we have more Mortal Kombat to look forward to. So a lot, of, a lot of good stuff in the headlines this week. Again, make sure you check in the description box out for links to those stories. Our main story this week, though, uh, concerns one of the top anticipated movies of the year for for this podcasting duo, uh, and <laughs> Seth, you saw a trailer that you were pretty stoked about. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, the It Chapter Two trailer came out this week, highly anticipated uh, trailer, and it did not disappoint. Um, it is one of my favorite trailers of all time. Uh, they they kind of pull off something that a lot of trailers don't do, where they showed like basically an entire scene and kind of let you sit in that for the entire time, and the, and that really only works because of it's a you know it's the sequel, you know it, it's you know the cer- certain trailers have I think have done that in the past where they show kind of an entire scene like that, but when you know this is the it trailer and you know you you know some some shit's about to go down and they make you sit in this trail you know this this scene for a minute two minutes. It's it's pretty awesome, and that scene is it does not disappoint. It's it's a pretty famous one from the books. Um, it's an awesome awesome trailer, and then past that they show some really cool scenes, some little some stuff Pennywise will be doing, and I'm just, I'm just so excited for this to come back. Uh, I can't wait to see this again. Um, I love I love uh, Bill Skarsgård playing Pennywise. I'm excited for the new cast uh, coming coming in to play the the Loser Club. I'm I'm so pumped, and I have never been this excited about. A horror movie ever it's it's interesting kind of looking at horror now um with kind of how it's changed 
over the last few years because it's I don't know what do you think about horror if, if you compare to now the last two three years compared to you know ten ten or so years ago because uh, you've always been a horror fan but like what do, what do you think if you if you kind of compare those um, do you, do you like more now do you like it more now do you would you rather have a mix of that or I, I guess where do you like where do you see that and then also where do you see horror going in the future. I think the past few years, the thing that I've seen change about horror, or at least come back to the fore, uh, has been the the psychological horror. Mm-hmm. And so your A24, you know, um, Hereditary, It Comes at Night, The Witch, that kind of really slow moving, really anxiety inducing, not necessarily like blah, scary, but just like is going to fuck with your head. I think that has made a comeback in a huge way. Mm-hmm. And horror's always been built on that. You can go back to like Rosemary's Baby and see stuff like that. So it's it's always existed, but I think it's made a big comeback. And mm-hmm. I think A24 has a lot to do with that. And those movies have become critically very highly reviewed, which is, that's yep. brand new to horror. That's never really been the case. And that's been part of what's brought like you onto horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that if I had to say like what's changed recently, that would be the main thing I would point to. Now that said... Thinking about like looking in in the noughties, which is the the 2000 to 2009 uh, (laughs) decade, it was a lot of like really crappy, really campy stuff with Mm -hmm. some mixed in some mixed in really good ideas. And so I think that what the what the 20 teens have added is a little more critical goodness mixed in with and there there are some camp stuff and I still really do enjoy yeah the camp the old school slasher the halloween remake i really dug mm-hmm. um you think? The, i guess it's a sequel i think i liked it i know i had fun um and there's <laughs> things like truth or dare uh happy death day some of these like kind of wacky creative concepts that are mixing in comedy i think that's mm-hmm. been a, a major thing as well and then the other thing i would have to mention is, is the conjuring universe is something that we've not seen in horror the expanded universe i think it's worked reasonably well if for no other reason than it's it's increased hype for certain movies, The Nun I think being the best example, mm-hmm. where we got a lot of run up to the run up to The Nun, because the Nun character was featured in other movies. I don't know that that expanded universe is going to continue to happen, uh, or be replicated. The Dark Universe failing, I think it shows us that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's been like recently what's going on in horror that I've really enjoyed. Um, and then, you know, the tent poles of, of goofy slashers, idiot teens, uh, that's never going away. And, and th- those movies still exist. But in terms of where horror goes from here, I think a couple things will continue to stay popular. One, I think the, the comedy horror is gonna, the comedy horror slash like, um, sort of, um, like a, like a send off of the genre, like a, like a really self-aware, you know, those kind of movies, I, I think are going to continue to do well for some amount of time. And then I think, I think horror, I think when we think of horror in five years, we'll be thinking about movies like Hereditary, It Comes at Night and the Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Midsummer is one that's coming out from A24 that looks fucking chilling. Mm-hmm. And I can't even explain why it looks chilling. It just does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these people are, fu- these people got to be fucked in the head. You, um, you know why? That are coming you know- up with this stuff. You know why it, it looks chilling is because fucking Will Poulter's in it, and just the, every time he's looking at something, I'm like, God, stop it! Yeah, Move, that change your face. face. 
there is a I, I was I was listening to another show talk about Midsummer, and one of the interesting things that that they pointed out from the trailers, you know, the widescreen bars that you would see on any movie, mm-hmm. uh, Midsummer shows them as white, mm. and so it gives that whole movie like this bright uh, aesthetic. So it, it's seemingly like a happy, safe place that they're in. Mm-hmm. It seems very well lit for most of the trailer. But we're going to have to see some really horrible shit happen in a well-lit mm-hmm. setting. And I think that's going to be especially trippy. That's going to be so cool. I think, yeah, it's going to be really cool, potentially. And I think taking those things that are just, that are really get into the into the psyche of a person and really fucking them up for a day, I think yeah. that, I think the bar is going to continue to be raised on that. And I think that's where horror goes. More down the psychological, to more to that than the actual outright, this is scary. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that because couple things of that. So you mentioned like that. That's why I'm getting into horrors because things have been reviewed well and done really well um, in terms of if you look at it in terms of a filmmaking aspect. I mean, there, there's horror movies that will use filmmaking tricks, but there's never been great, really great performances or great writing and things like that. It's usually just been, you know, people classify great horror movies as uh, some really good scares or you know, like really gripping movie in that in that way. But you know, you had Get Out was the first one really mm-hmm. that that recently that has kind of kicked off that hey these these horror movies can be you know actual oscar worthy movies mm-hmm. and you know dana clue's performance and all that stuff was was recognized at one best screenplay and uh, was nominated for best picture hereditary is another one where tony collette was was had oscar buzz all the way up until the end she was nominated for for a pretty high up award uh in acting i don't know if she was nominated i don't think she's for a globe but i think there was like one of those new york film festivals she was nominated for best actress and stuff like that so like these movies now are, like you said, getting attention critically and can actually be viable as, you know, a, a as, as a successfully, you know, positively critiqued film. So um, one, one that's, you know, studied for, you know, because of the acting or the actual filmmaking as opposed us as another example, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's a movie that a lot of people have studied and spent, you know, a bunch of time on because of the way it's made as a film. Uh, the music is, is such a big choice. Uh, in in those movies because of uh, um, Jordan Peele, so mm-hmm. that that's what I get into. That when when a horror movie is a well made film, but you look at like Pet Cemetery that came out a little bit earlier this year. On all aspects, in terms of like the the way it looks, the way um, the scares in it, uh, the you know the sound and all that stuff, I I enjoyed the movie, but it didn't really go over super well critically. For I mean, mm-hmm. it was fine, but it wasn't like I think the the obviously the filmmakers were wanting to bring put this out make a do a remake in a time where where horror movies are reviewed well because Pet Cemetery does have the that that type of stuff in it but in, at the end of the day it, it just kind of ended up falling into that category of you know your pretty cliche horror movies mm-hmm. uh, it had some good scares and things but and and some interesting ideas but it really didn't reach to the level like a Hereditary or Us or that type of thing but if that would have came out ten years ago. I think that would have done super well. I think that oh, would yeah. have, that would that would have done a whole bunch of money and and probably been reviewed a little bit better because the I think the standard of horror movies has has climbed for what people are looking for in horror movies like you know like myself I think that's climbed I think that's gone to a different area and so I agree I think that's where horror is going to continue to go I think horror movies are are going to be recognized as movies like down the road because they're more psychological and they're not about all about the jump scare which. I'm completely okay with. I'm I'm so happy with being scared psychologically, but if there's a f- jump scare, I'm going to get real pissed off at your movie. 
that that's kind of where like even like it it had a lot of psychological stuff i mean it's not going to win an oscar for best acting or director or anything but it had some psychological stuff it had comedy in it that's another thing like you mentioned it had had some comedy in it it, it, it just did stuff differently. That's the other thing for me with horror. If a, if a, if a horror movie is a traditional horror movie, but it does something different, I'm going to probably go see it. Um, mm-hmm. Unfriended is, is always my example uh, from a few years ago. It kind of, it it did the, the different camera angle. Paranormal Activity originally back in the day was another thing that I went and saw because it did something different with the found footage and that type of thing. So for me, that's another aspect is, is when horror can do something different and branch out and scare you in different ways. That's that's something that me and I know a lot of other people too had have latched onto. So I, I I hope to see more of that with the comedy and the the unique aspects and also just the the performances and and you know craft filmmaking in that way. Yeah, and I think we will because well a few things I think are kind of intersecting right now. One, uh, it's easier for it's easier and cheaper for more people to make these movies now. Mm-hmm. And so I think the good ideas are starting to come to the fore more often. I think that. There's now about a hundred years of scary cinema from which to draw, you know, when you think about like what scares a person, you know, and Jaws was a big one. You never saw the thing that Mm. we're supposed to be afraid of. That's in movies now. And, and the way that a certain movie is scored was creepy. Halloween, that score is creepy, very minimalist, very kind of light in tone. Um, You're seeing that in a lot of scores. So there's, there's all this history from which to pull. Here's what scares people. And, I think that people who are willing to do their research are able to come up with some really fucking scary shit because they know what's going to get to people psychologically. And I think that because horror has been going on for so long, people are having to reinvent. And this is exactly the same thing we talked about with superhero movies is it's not enough to just scare someone anymore. It's not enough to just have Superman on screen. You have to have a point, a theme or something, you know, that the movie is about other than it just being scary. Get Out has its uh, racial undertones. Us has its classism undertones. Hereditary is about loss and grieving. You know, all of these movies are about something other than the fact that they're scary. And I think that goes a long way. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts, Seth. Do you think that in our lifetimes we'll see a horror thriller category like at the Oscars or Golden Globes? No, I don't think so. I I think... Well, I mean, there's already not like things like stunt categories and, and things like that at the at the at the at the Oscars. So I, I don't see it. I don't see them breaking it down in genre like that. I mean, I know like they had the most popular film or whatever. I don't think that's going to come back. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if you do stuff like that, I think it diminishes those movies. If you mm-hmm. do it like that, unfortunately, I think, you, you know, if a movie is, is good enough to, to be nominated for Best Picture, because I mean, usually per year, there's eight or nine movies that are that are nominated and so, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard category to get into to begin with, you know? So, you know, if a horror movie can do that, it's even that, that much more impressive. So, mm-hmm. and I think I was thinking, I had another thought too. I think horror movies are allowed to be longer now. Mm-hmm. You know, we see two plus yep. hour horror movies and now we have horror movies with direct sequels, you know, yep. and that wasn't always the case other than, you know, Jason comes back and kills other teens. <laughs> um, you know, you're able to extend your arc over a longer amount of time. And especially when you're trying to get psychological, you have to be long. I think one of the one of the things that hurt Pet Cemetery was a very short runtime and they didn't have time to set you up in this world and, and, and unsettle you. They went straight to scary scene, scary scene, scary scene. And, you know, this midsummer movie, I'm sure, is going to have a long-ass runtime because there's something about sitting in there for a while that gets you ready to be scared. And I think that it's more acceptable now for longer runtimes on horror movies. And I think that's part of why 
you know, A24 has been successful because they're allowed, that studio is allowing those movies to go longer rather than, you know, you got an hour 45 and we're cutting you off, which I think is the direction that a lot of these studios are giving to horror. So I think that helps too. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked though about where horror goes. I mean, I, even outside of what comes out in theaters, there's always great horror being made. And now that's easier to access. You have apps mm-hmm. like Shudder, which is in a, it's a movie streaming that's entirely horror. Uh, you have things online, Lights Out, the short that we saw years ago. That was a great short, great horror short. They made a terrible movie out of it afterwards. But there's so many places to consume horror if you want to that I think it, it's it's really, really cool. And I'm stoked to see with, with popular horror and what's being widely released where it goes from here. I think it's going to be awesome. If, uh, if you're a bad guy, then John Wick is a horror movie because <laughs> he is about as slasher as they come. I think his body count is higher than any of the the great slashers of movie history. Uh, and it is, of course, Wick Week. Uh, some of us have already seen John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. And because it's Wick Week, we got a John Wick-inspired Mambo Number no. 5 coming at you right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number no. 5. So John Wick, for those who don't know, is an action film hero. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Played by Keanu Reeves, and uh, we decided a uh, pretty simple concept. Let's let's count down our favorite action heroes, um, and we've eliminated superheroes from this. Can't be a superhero; just got to be a standard action hero. Uh, were there any other qualifiers we were putting on this one? I don't think so. Pretty straightforward. Uh, fans of the show will know how this list ends for both of us, but uh, let's have a little fun getting there. Uh, top horror or top horror, top action heroes coming at you. Number five. Uh, my number five. You might not know by name, but when I say the movie, you'll know. Uh, her name is Lorianne Broughton, and that's. Yep. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kick you. You're gonna kick it. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna kick you. But that's um, that's Charlize Theron from Atomic Blonde. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see. I am struggling to find my list. There it is. I said I was gonna kick you, but I have her at the same spot. <laughs> okay. Uh, number five, Lorraine Broughton, uh, Lorraine, Atomic Blonde, go. and. Ah, oh, man. Like, so, okay, so we reviewed Longshot a couple weeks uh, ago, and Charlize Theron in that is awesome. Yeah. And the fact that she can do Longshot and Atomic Blonde is incredible. I think she's one of our best actresses working right now. But the things she's doing in Atomic Blonde are fucking dope. She's got yeah. a handful of great action set pieces. And it, to be a woman on our list is tough because most of the action heroes yeah. are men. But she has a brutality and a physicality to that role that is better than most of the men that I've seen. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not... Because it's only been one movie. I know they're doing a second one, but, I mean, it's only been one movie, and there's plenty of other action heroes that I'm leaving off that have had way more movies. Um, but for me, she was really the only thing I liked about that movie. Like, that movie, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed for, the, you know, as, as an entire sum, but she was the but she was 99 percent of it she was great um her she, her character was great the, her action the way she did her action was incredible um i didn't really care for much of the the uh supporting characters or really the, much of the story in that movie but um the action in that movie she is she's awesome and i know that's kind of a lot of that was done by the same people who did john wick and you could tell oh yeah there's a there's a one-shot fight scene in this it takes place like in a up a stairway and then into an apartment that mm-hmm. is one of the best things I've seen in any movie, much less action. Yep. Um, it, it goes on so long that you see them get tired, which you never see in movies. And, yeah. and she played it super well. She did, I think, a lot of her own stunts. Uh, I think they did, did that twice in the movie. 
where, yeah, where there she kind of got them. tied. Yeah. So, uh, so she's amazing. And of course, I mean, she punches really well. Number four. Uh, number four is, see, this one's kind of a, it's not one hero. It's a group of heroes. And the reason I did this is because, or action characters, sorry, not heroes, but action characters, because one by themselves is not going to do much, but together the expendables are one amazing hero. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I put the expendables, the, the, those movies are just pure action, like, uh, like a pure action fucking heroin trip. Like the, the whole thing is just like, it's just action from beginning to end. It's just, you're just mainlining action into your fucking veins. And it came at a time in my life when I, not, I loved nothing more than old man beat em up movies. Um, <laughs> and that was like, that, that was, that was the coup de grace of old man beat em up movies. I mean, someone got fucking shot in half in the first like 30 seconds of the movie. That's what not I was cut- going to point out. Dolph Lundgren splits a man in half. <laughs> yeah. Not, sh- not cut in half shot in half with a gun <laughs> so his torso leaves his legs behind it's, it's amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah plus stone cold steve austin is uh is uh in in the first one at least and he's one of my favorite things in the world three favorite things in the world so pizza ice cream stone cold steve austin are my three favorite things so yeah no it's uh it's it's just it's it's a fucking just all three well the first two the third one was pg-13 for some reason and they really fucking yeah that kind of stunk they they uh because i showed you the first two yeah like that same week and i that's why i specifically remember dolph lundgren blowing that guy in half (laughs) because like it's the first scene of the movie and i was like what the fuck are we watching (laughs) yeah because you were like all right this is fucking sliced alone and yeah like all these old dudes and i'm like just hold on and then fucking 30 seconds in it was man gets shot in half <laughs> and then so yeah i was like all right third one's coming out and even going into it i'm like oh, that's pg-13 i'm a little worried and my worries were confirmed mm-hmm. um yeah expendables that's all it's all just just pumped up muscles screaming and then yeah. like punch the punch lines nah. like it's if, if someone asked me what is what is 80s action i would show them the expendables yeah and yeah they all have their own like they all have a line from their movies at some point mm-hmm. in there where they like kind of the the most egregious one is definitely Arnold where he like shoots a gun and like fucking like cocks it. He's like I'm back <laughs> like that type of thing. <laughs> he also rips a door off of a car with his bare fucking hands at one point. It's incredible. Oh, I lo- I want to watch that movie now. <laughs> well, actually, I think that's the third one, and that's not the one that's not as good. But. Oh, yeah. uh but yeah, you can still watch them. I mean, they're 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 definitely a fun a fun ride. They're a blast. Uh, my number four, I'm I'm guessing is going to be on your list. It may be a punt. Uh, Brian Mills from Taken. It's not a punt. It's a can kick. It's yeah okay. It's a can kick. So we yeah. we got to hold on Brian Mills. Yeah. Number three. Uh, my number three is Brian Mills from Taken. Yeah. <laughs> um, you talk about everyone- old man action. Hell yeah, that that's what that's what started it. That's what kicked it off. I mean, him and then, you know, of course, the Expendables and then Equalizer. Um, but, oh, fuck, I forgot to put the Equalizer on there. I have him oh, as an honorable mention. Okay. Yeah, I guess the second one kind of disappointed me, so. The second one uh, kind of wrecked the first one for me, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bad. bit. Um, the first one's still awesome. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Brian Mills, as excited as I get 
because everyone knows my excitement for John Wick and his testicle kicking abilities. I don't think there's any ability that's ever been mastered as well as Brian Mills and his throat crunching abilities. Mm-hmm. He, he, I don't know. I there's there's a, like I talked about in the video of for uh, the special features for John Wick. There's every kill that's counted. I want a fucking entire series of taken how many throats he's he's destroyed <laughs> because he he just just swift movement. <laughs> these these guys are <laughs> instantly. <laughs> it's amazing, and I that I. I get like mini, like how I talked about with 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 in John Wick Two, where the guy gets fucking demolished by the car in the beginning. I get mm-hmm. like mini, mini little jolts of that every time he crushes a throat with his bare hand. MacGruber is the only person in the world who can who can who who can master a throat as well, and he just straight rips him out. So, Brian Mills, salute to you, sir. He's a boss. And he's also like hyper creative and kind of unorthodox when he has to be mm-hmm. like he'll use he'll use uh shit from the ground and stuff. And uh he's just he's really fun to watch. They did a really good job with the first the first taken was amazing. The second one kind of less so. The third one is very mediocre, but yeah. Brian Mills on the whole very very dope. Yeah. I I I didn't even think about. It. I mean, yeah, he does kind of use the environment. Him and McGruber actually would be amazing teammates. They would be fun to watch. And like he he single handedly I mean Taken single handedly brought back the old man beat him up you know That's true. Uh, Equalizer spins off from that they did three fucking Taken movies um, and then an entire Neesom Renaissance uh, uh-huh. he does Walk Among the Tombstones after that he does Run All Night after that he does uh, the Commuter nonstop you know uh-huh. all of those don't happen without Taken so he he his his it's his own genre now and that's very fucking cool. Uh, my number three is a classic. I don't think I need to say a whole lot, but I got James Bond in as mm. number three. And okay. he he's a lot more than just an action hero, but when James Bond does an action set, he does a fucking action set. Like, the 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 stuff that they've done with, with Bond over the course of those movies is awesome. He's always driving a something off of a something else or shooting a someone while he's on top of a something or he's inside of this thing having a fist fight with another guy and like it's it, it, he's always in these crazy situations and crazy locations just whooping ass and i specifically really enjoy the daniel craig bond because he's a little bit less debonair and a little more hardcore kind of in that uh, atomic blonde where like he gets punched in the fucking mouth and he bleeds and shit um but it's really kind of um hard hitting and brutal action when it's Daniel Craig, but, uh, you know, just on, on a wider scale, the, the wacky, crazy action shit that he gets into, like with his Aston Martin, having all the gadgets and stuff, and he's flying on jetpacks and he's on the moon. Uh, James Bond has probably the most out of any, uh, action hero, the most of those crazy ass scenes, just because there's been 25 of those movies. I like uh, casino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good one. It's my favorite bond. Number two. I, I'm just going to set the can next to you. Uh, <laughs> my number two is Ethan Hunt. <laughs> I'm going to kick that one very, very far down the road. And uh, we'll go to my number two, which I know isn't on your list because you have not seen The Matrix. This is where I have no. Neo. And uh, the Neo, I think what The Matrix did in the early, in the late 90s, early aughts was it brought back, it brought back Kung Fu in a weird way. I mean, that, those are Kung Fu movies. And... 
I think watching some of those fight scenes, what they do with the slow-mo, what they do with the creative fighting styles is very cool and has not been even close to replicated since then. It's been attempted, but no one's quite done it like the Matrix. And they were they were like inventing like things to do with a camera in order to shoot that. Uh, and it, if you ever watch the behind the scenes on some of the slow-mo and the bullet time in the Matrix, they had to invent some shit in order to get that on tape. And I think... You know, Neo's got this whole arc where his fighting style changes over time to kind of match him as a character. And he's always having these kick-ass fight scenes with um, Hugo Weaving, who is uh, agent, uh, the agent. And I think just for the fighting scenes themselves, uh, Keanu Reeves' Neo um, is second to almost none. Um, I, I, not even Not even his best action role. But um, certainly one of the greats, I think, when you when you talk about just just the combat in those movies. Number one. I mean, do I need, do I even need to say it? We all know what number one is. Maybe um, just for good measure, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's the Baba Yaga himself. It's uh, it's John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the um, you sent a gif or someone sent a gif this this morning um, with our we have a group text with uh, with Jared at Jared Buckendall of that you can get the official John Wick pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Jared sent that picture. That oh my god, that kills yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, he can kill you with anything at any time, mostly guns. And uh, I mean, if you have a pair of testicles, watch out, they're gone. They're gonna get kicked. But it's and he has dogs that bite testicles now. I mean, come on, let's do this. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, come on, it's, it's John Wick. The, I mean, you said you said uh, Matrix brought brought back kung fu. Uh, John Wick brought gun fu. All right. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, come on. He he is he is he is the best action hero, or I guess action character. He's not really a hero because he just murders. He's murdered like three hundred people in, in two movies. So I don't know if it constitute murdering that many people as a hero. Uh, he he's also called the Boogeyman, so he's probably not a hero, but he's a character. Um, he's the best character. He has the best action. He has the the coolest suits. I don't know. They're pretty much the same suit every time. He he does have a shitload of guns. He will throw that. He will not hesitate to throw a gun at you, no matter the size of the gun. <laughs> um, he'll kill you with a knife, a pencil, with a dog. Uh, he'll kill you with a car. He'll kill you with everything. So, um, basically, if you don't want to be on his bad side, plus he fucking loves dogs. He's a relatable man. He loves dogs. And if you kill his dog, he's going to kill 300 of your best employees. So um, John Wick has the best. I'm looking now at an infographic of all the people he's killed and like with what weapons. And holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty crazy. 49 total headshots. Oh, this is just from the first movie. It looks like he killed 77 people in the, in the first movie. And he kills, like I think, like 118 in the second one. So I guess not quite Jesus. 300. but He'll get to 300 in this one. Bet, bet your oh, ass. Oh, fuck yeah. I bet he gets to 1,000 in this one, from the sounds <laughs> of it. <laughs> uh, John Wick is, of course, I mean, I mean he's, he's great. Don't get me wrong. But he ain't no Ethan Hunt. And uh, Ethan Hunt is, of course, the objectively true number one action hero That's, of all time. It's not true. It is true. Um, he's got he's sexy and debonair like James Bond. He can do hand to hand combat like John Wick. He's he's brutal. Mm, not like John a, Wick. He'll have a long fight scene like uh, like Lorraine Broughton. He's getting to be an old man like Brian Mills. 
and uh, he does <laughs> oh, that's some, a power. <laughs> he does some, he does some slow mo stuff like Neo, and he can drive everything. He can fly everything. He can. He's jumping out of space. He's he he's 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 got quips. He's got a shitload of quips. That's the, that's what separates him from John Wick. Is John Wick ain't got quips. Um, John Wick does have quips. He does not have quips. He barely talks. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. He says. Uh, he says, I want a gun. That's his only line in Alfred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then uh, they're like, they keep asking him, are, are you out of retirement? And he's like, it looks like I am now. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, thinking I think I'm I back. Am. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. But uh, not as sweet as Ethan Hunt. And I, I'll save our listeners the, the, the diatribe that I tend to go on when he comes up. But just know that on an academic level, you know, basis. If we were to sit no. down and, and just really crunch the numbers, it would be Ethan Hunt for sure. John Wick would kill Ethan Hunt in a second. No, he, he, would, he would not. He wouldn't let Ethan Hunt like do his little fucking stupid ass quips. He would just shoot him right in the face, or get one of his dogs to bite his testicles and then shoot his face. You know what would happen? Hunt- he would shoot him in the face, and then all of a sudden, the actual Ethan Hunt would jump in from the side and kill him because he was using a mask. He's got masks John Wick- too. John Wick ain't got John- masks. John Wick would shoot both the guy in the mask and Ethan Hunt. (laughs) (laughs) You got to remember, John Wick isn't selective on who he kills. If you're a person in front of him with more than likely with a gun or a weapon of some kind, you're going to die. So Mm, I don't know. I mean, how many times should Ethan Hunt have died? The guy's unkillable. Well, I I don't think he's going to come back from a headshot. Uh, just you fucking watch. They did it in Kingsman. I bet you they can do it in Mission Impossible. Yeah, well, that second Kingsman was poop, so. Yeah, I'll give you that. That was that one wasn't very good. But Ethan Hunt <laughs> is better than John Wick. And no. uh, what do you got? Any honorable mentions, Seth? Well, you need to fucking have John Wick not on your honorable mentions, at least at number two. Be well, respectful I, I, to me. I left, I left him off because I knew that you would include him, and I didn't want to use a spot. And I wanted to include I, Neo because I wanted to it, tell you again that you need to watch The Matrix. I'm not going to watch The Matrix, especially now that you disrespect John Wick. Oh, okay. I'm disrespecting him. You are. Mm-hmm. I guess he's going to have to come out of retirement then. Um, he, he's gonna. My honorable mentions, John Rambo and, of course, the, the Terminator, uh, you know, Sly and Arnie, of course, doing their thing. Ellen Ripley from Alien. And then uh, I really enjoyed Alita in, in this year's Alita Battle Angel. I thought she was really dope, so I included her. Um, Equalizer, Denzel Washington's character there, uh, was pretty awesome. And I would here's one I would add that I wasn't thinking of before. Uh, Christian Bale's character in Equilibrium, mm. which is, I think, the closest any film has gotten to the Matrix style of combat and with guns. I think, actually, not to, not to throw um, dirt on your John Wick stuff, but I think Equilibrium started gun foo. So there's that. But that's a, that's a really excellent uh, action movie if you haven't seen Equilibrium. Uh, it's pretty dope. And there are a shitload of action movies that we're leaving out. So certainly let us know on the tweets what, what some of the guys and girls that we left off of our list are. I know, like, it's technically a superhero movie. I know there's no superpowers, but Hit Girl would be a fun one. I was wondering whether or not we could include Hit Girl, but she is yeah. she She could beat up John Wick for sure. No, she couldn't. <laughs> well... We knew this was going to be a fun, uh, a fun list. It's our top five action heroes. And by the way, I'm really proud of us for being progressive. And she earned it, but mm-hmm. we, we both had a lady on our list. And I think, that, I, think, I think that's good of us. And not a token lady. I will, I will firmly assert that she deserves to be in the top five. Yeah, like no, nothing, nothing shows that you're, you're real progressive by patting yourself on the back for being progressive. 
Yep, yep, that's me. I'm not gonna go without getting any credit for it. <laughs> I'm I'm very woke. I also have black friends. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. Uh, we're gonna keep it in the world of movies, uh, and Seth has a little a little quote for us. I'm gonna try to figure out what it's from. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! It's a quote from a movie. I need to guess what movie and who said it. What do you got this week? It's a quote! Alright, your quote is, Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you okay to drive? A minute ago you were dead. Yep, I sure as fuck know that one. <laughs> um, that is... That's Mission Impossible... Mmm... Rogue Nation, and mm-hmm. it's said by Benji, played by Simon Pegg, to uh, our hero, Ethan Hunt, uh, right after he was drowned by the underwater vault, and he's trying to drive the car to chase after Ilsa Faust, who has stolen the uh, hard drive that they're trying to get. What is uh, Benji's last name? I have no clue. Well, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a loser, and I guess that makes you. I am the queen. <laughs> uh, it's done. Benji done. Yep. Benji done. I'm 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 flattered and honored that you chose a Mission Impossible quote. Well, you didn't think you didn't um, think you were going to stump me though, right? Like you knew you were throwing me a. No, bone. I actually kind of had to pick it because uh, of the way that I select the quotes each week. It's the way it worked out. So. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad that the system uh, worked in my favor this time. That was a quick and easy version of making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. All right. Let's have a quickie update on my big old movie adventure. <laughs> Still need a sounder for it. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have to admit, I have not done, I have not been able to sit down and watch really anything. Uh, from our trilogies. So I'm going to extend the trilogies assignment and I'll probably go through June with it. Uh, so that'll give me a chance to watch some more more trilogies. So nothing quite yet, even though, I, as I uh, told Seth, uh, I did start Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, the other Hell night. Yeah. So uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll make that one of, <laughs> one of the trilogies for the movie adventure. I watched a little bit of that this weekend too. Um, the one joke that always kills me, and I, I remember this when I was a kid watching it, um, is the... When he's unfrozen and uh, he's getting all his belongings and he's like, one Swedish penis enlarger, <laughs> one instruction booklet for a Swedish penis enlarger, one receipt for a penis enlarger signed by Austin Powers, <laughs> one uh, inst- uh, one booklet or one instruction book written, instruction manual written by one Austin D. Powers. <laughs> And he's the whole time trying to deny it to, to Vanessa. Yep. The book is the book is called um, uh, Swedish Swedish Penis Pumps and Me. That's definitely yeah. my bag, baby. By Austin yeah. Powers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that so shit is good. funny. Uh, we'll 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 call back to uh, some of our other favorite Austin Powers um, jokes when we when we go back through our trilogies as part of my big old movie adventure. <laughs> so, moving on. We got a bunch of movies to review, so let's just uh, let's just jump into that then. Mom, what do you think? I love it. 
I hated it. I hated it. Five movie reviews this week, and it's a it's a dead split down the middle. We each saw two on our own, and we share one. That's kind of cool. Uh, so we'll just do a little back and forth, and uh, maybe we'll finish with the two that we have in common. My first one that I will talk about very briefly is called Raising Kratos. We talked about it uh, about a month back. It is the documentary about the making of God of War, which was game of the year last year. And it's just a it's just a cool kind of inside look at what all went into the making of that game. It's mostly centered around Corey Barlog, who was kind of the director of the game, and kind of his struggles, how they go about, you know, certain story aspects, how they picked, um, you know, the themes and things of that game. And it's just really interesting. If you are into video games at all, and especially if you like God of War, I'm going to give this a high recommend. I love it. If not, maybe it's not your bag. Um, but, uh, you know, if you do want to see it, it's available on YouTube. If you go to the PlayStation YouTube channel, uh, you can find Raising Kratos on there. I really enjoyed it, though. I think I would especially would recommend it for you, Seth. I watched about half of it last night, actually, and I, I, was, I did enjoy it. Um, I got to about when they got to, to E3, or mm. after E3, and uh, how they basically only had that done yeah. <laughs> at that point. So uh, I kind of stopped when they were getting ready to, to actually kind of finish everything out. So yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoyed what I watched though. Um, I've always, I've actually been a fan of, uh, there's a, they actually show uh, like a little developers interview thing with, uh, Allison Hayslip. Um, I watched that back in the day, I think on G4, I watched mm-hmm. that whole thing. It was like, a, that was like a two hour thing where they, they talked to the, I think it was when God of War three was coming out. So they talked to those guys for a while and about the whole journey of God of War. And I've always been a big fan of Corey Barlog, who's the, the director, who is basically the main focus of the the documentary. So I'll, I'll definitely finish it out. I liked it. Well, I also watched a documentary uh, this week. This one um, kind of had some some a little bit more personal interest because I kind of I've interacted with the person who made it. But uh, it's, this movie's called Jack of All Trades. Um, what this is about a little bit it's a little bit smaller of a documentary where. Uh, the the director of it and the guy who's really what, who it's about, Stu Stone. He, uh, you would know the stuff he's been in. You've probably seen him in a few things. Like he was in Donnie Darko. He played one of the friends in Donnie Darko. Um, you've definitely heard his voice before if you watch Magic School Bus. He was Ralphie on Magic School Bus. The the where I kind of knew him, like actually as Stu Stone, was he did a show with Jamie Kennedy on MTV in 2006 called Blowing Up, where he did a rap album, a comedy rap album with, with Jamie Kennedy. Best album and then of I, all fucking time. <laughs> rolling a Saget. But then uh, he also had a podcast. Uh, one of the, really actually the first. Probably the reason that you know we do a podcast is is because of his podcast. Is I, I really that's where I got into podcasts uh, was his back way in you know again 2006, um, and I was like a I wrote into this podcast a lot and was a fan of the year nominee at one point and stuff, and then I've interacted with him um, on I'm friends with him on Facebook and I've messaged him back on MySpace. We've gone back and forth and stuff, and um, he's just a really cool guy. But um, something he's talked about over all these years, I've listened to him is uh has always been kind of a mystery with his dad and so this movie actually kind of goes into that a lot his dad was uh kind of a shyster um he uh he he started Wait, is, that, is that a slur I, I i don't think so Someone, it, 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 i i know it's like a it's like a criminal kind of dude right like yeah. a like a con but it's so, that sounds like a slur <laughs> i don't think it is it's like um, uh what was what were we was it gooch or was it uh, Goomba? 
Yeah. Goombas, <laughs> the characters from um, from Mario. That's one of those words that sounds like a slur, even if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> what he, what and kind of what part of what this is about? Um, so his uh, Stu's dad was a um, sold like uh, baseball cards. He was uh, back in the the late eighties, early nineties. Actually, even earlier, late seventies, early eighties. All basically all through the eighties, baseball cards were a huge, huge thing. Um, there were stores all over the place, and in Canada, where Stu is from, his dad was a he owned like thirteen of these baseball stores called Sluggers. And then right after um, Stu turned thirteen, after his, he's bar, he's Jewish, he he had his bar mitzvah. Like the day after his bar mitzvah, his dad just left, sold the business, and left. And he hadn't seen, hasn't talked to him since. And but Stu has always been involved with cards like baseball cards and stuff like that he's always enjoyed that from the kid and all that stuff and kind of reminds him of of the memories he had with his dad and so he wanted to make a documentary about that in the industry because he had all these baseball cards that he thought would be worth shitload of money like his dad told him as a kid and they weren't worth shit they would you know a box of them but back in the day full that had like ken griffey jr rookie cards and stuff in them worth hundreds of dollars back in the day are worth like forty dollars now like they're nothing that was just the the single card was like hundreds of dollars now like a box of them is worth like 40 bucks but uh so that's kind of what the the it starts out as but as the the documentary so in, in investigating the the baseball card industry and like where it's gone and stuff like that and kind of diving in the past of it but as it goes on it really becomes more of a story about Stu and his dad and, and his, his long lost dad that he hasn't spoken to in 20 years and kind of mid-documentary that's where it starts to change. So like the other director of the documentary is, is, is trying to push this, this narrative and trying to go towards the, the father stuff, but Stu doesn't want to. So it's like a struggle. You see like real life arguments and stuff and uh, you know, where it goes, how it unfolds with that, where, where, while the same, same time Stu is still trying to follow this baseball card thing. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm a huge fan of the guy, but, and so I was intrigued by the story because it's something that I've heard him talk about so many times, but he hasn't really ever gone into it. So learning more about that was really cool. Um, but it's also just like, even if you don't know who he is, I mean, if you like baseball cards or whatever, that's that's cool. But like the, the really interesting thing is to see how, one, a documentary change shifts mid thing um, and then be kind of the story behind like this long lost dad thing. Cause that's something that, you know, a lot of people can, can relate to whether, you know, you've never met your father or you've, you know, kind of been estranged with your father, things like that. There's that aspect to it too. And it's, it's really, really interesting. Stu is like a super charismatic guy and, and is very comfortable on camera too. So, um, that helps make it a, a good watch. It's not like an awkward thing, but, uh, there's some really intense moments, uh, in the, in the, in the documentary. And I, I thought it was really well done for what seems like somewhat a, a lower budget, type of production i thought it was really well done for what they had so it's i think it's an interesting checkout uh you know, especially if it's ever on like netflix or any sort of streaming service sounds pretty cool i had did you do do you do cards when you were a kid i did not no i didn't do baseball cards i had a couple like packs of wrestling cards but not baseball cards i did and um it's a strange world like you know you get a card that looks really cool and you think it's worth a lot and it's not and then very basic boring looking fucking cards are worth mm-hmm. more and uh, yeah, I would go to garage sales and stuff and get just boxes of the fucking things. I, they, my parents probably had a bonfire at some point with them because I had a <laughs> shitload of them. Between that and Pokemon, I had cards galore. Yeah, and it's it's interesting now because like the only there used to be like four, five, six different companies that would do baseball cards and and different cards, but the only car the only company now that is authorized to do baseball is Tops. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they're the only one left in town, and it's because of the way because they do go into it in this. You know, if you're interested in baseball cards, they do go into the industry industry of it and kind of talk about the overproduction type of card, like just the industry. They they track the industry. They talk to executives from Tops and and from uh, some of the other big ones, but. So they go over that and kind of go over like the price inflation and and the overproduction, but kind of once that runs out, it it really goes into the the stuff of the father, and it's super super gripping to watch. So hmm. um, definitely, I would say check it out. Where can folks watch it? Um, I had to I rented it um, on I think like Google Play or something like that. You can get rent it on Voodoo, but you know if if you don't want to pay for it, which you know I don't blame you. It's a documentary um, that you don't know much about, but. Uh, you know, if, if it's ever on one of the streaming things, Netflix, Amazon, whatever, definitely, uh, definitely check it out. There you go. Jack of all trades is the documentary. So check that one out. It gets a recommend from Seth. He loves it. Uh, I'm going to talk next about Detective Pikachu, which I uh, saw over this last weekend, uh, came in second to Avengers uh, in the box office. And, you know, um, in summary, I, I had a fun time at Detective Pikachu. I am not going to accuse it of being a great film, but I really did enjoy it. It's it's very, so you have the main character played by Justice Smith. His name is Tim. And what's strange about it is he's like an adult. He's like a 20 something year old man. And he finds out that his father has passed away and he goes to the city where his father used to live, which is a city where, and I didn't know any of this about Pokemon. Apparently Pokemon are you you like pair up with a pokemon and it, it's your pokey buddy and it, it kind of belongs to you and your pals they call it your pokemon companion and tim is a character who he, he doesn't have a pokemon companion he's just kind of a loner like that but everybody else does and they're just kind of a sidekick that always follows him around so that's one aspect and then the other thing is that in most places in the world the pokemon are trained to fight and you know it's the the pokey battles are kind of the main thing. But there's this one city, which is the city that he goes to in the film, where they don't allow fighting, and the the Pokemon and the people are supposed to like live together in harmony. And so they link up, they're, they're buddied up, but they, they don't ever do the fighting there. And so it's kind of an interesting city. You see a lot more of the Pokemon just kind of out in the world doing shit. Some of them are like directing traffic and stuff, but then it's just like that the wildlife just is Pokemon. So when pigeons go by, it's not pigeons, it's it's Spiros or Spiros. And that's kind of cool. The world build here is interesting. They leave it pretty they don't they don't exposit a ton. They don't just read you a bunch of shit, but it's it's given to you in a way that feels natural and that you kind of get put into this world in a way that is that is cool and fun. If you're a fan of Pokemon, you're gonna love pointing out all the Pokemon you know and there's some comedy around some of their powers and how they pop up and so uh, there was a lot to like here Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu was something I was very concerned about coming into this I thought it was going to be really goofy and over the top and just too Deadpool-y it was not that I was pleasantly surprised he the character was was more um showed more restraint than I anticipated and was actually a legit character, not just a goofy, cute joke machine, um, but was actually an important character to the story and I think interacted well with uh, the, the main actor, Smith. And I, I think that that worked in a way that I was not expecting. 
also as it relates to that the cg in this movie is incredible that there hmm. there are ve- there are a few scenes where it's a little bit of a weird kind of interaction where there's like a human is supposed to be touching a cg character but other than a couple instances of that they do a great job of putting the pokemon into the world and the the way they're lit uh, some of them have fur and you can see like the way the fur blows in the wind and stuff. They, they they seriously paid attention to detail when they were building the Pokemon in this. And I thought that was cool. Other than just the world build, it's it's got some happy, cute stuff in it. The plot of this um, is fine. You know, it, it meanders a bit. There's some surprises in here. But it, overall, I would say it's just a fine plot. Um, there's a very cool resolution at the end that I that I thought was cool. And overall, it was just a nice movie. You know, it, I had a good time at it. It was fun. It was funny. It was cute. It had a little bit of action. That was cool. Uh, it was shot, and I was very impressed by technically how they put this together, especially with the CG, because it relies very heavily on it. And I would say the performances of the human characters is kind of the weakest point of the movie. I wouldn't say it's weak, but it's weaker than than sort of the rest of the movie around it. Um, Smith is fine. There is a side character who is a female journalist who is totally over the top goofy in a way that doesn't really seem to fit here. There are, there's a villain character who, who is definitely like over the top British villain, like out of straight out of a textbook. And, you know, a Pikachu is kind of the, he's kind of the standout here almost, you know, not only Reynolds's voice, but the way they move him throughout the world and his, he's got his own kind of arc which is interesting. On the whole, I, I'm going to err slightly on the side of I love it. I think if you're a fan of Pokemon, you're really going to dig this. Other than that, though, it's just a nice, cute way to spend a couple hours. You know, it's great for kids. But even if you're not a kid, you know, it's a good one to just, you know, get a big old bucket of corn and, and just hang out for a couple hours and, and you're not going to hate it. Um, you know, not not winning any awards, but I would recommend folks seeing it for sure, especially, you know, down the road on Netflix. But I think it's worth worth folks you know, spend the eight bucks and go get a matinee ticket and, and go see it. I will not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I um I I may not have gone to it, um, but I had some unexpected free time uh, over the weekend last week and was like, fuck it, I'll go to Pikachu. And I was I was happy that I did. Yeah, I just don't care about <laughs> about po- Pokemon. But yeah, that's fine. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, so this other movie uh, that I saw, this one I, I saw on VOD and on Vudu, uh, like a early release. We almost went to this um, uh, while you were back uh, down at the the art house theater, but kind of had some weird showing times, so we didn't. And it came out on VOD pretty quickly after. So uh, anyway, it's called Her Smell. Uh, it stars Elizabeth Moss uh, from Handmaid's Tale. She uh, she plays this rocker named Becky something. Uh, that's her name. I'm not forgetting the last name. Um, she is the lead uh, guitarist and uh, vocals for this band. This takes place, I think, in the 80s. Uh, this band or late 80s, early 90s. Uh, band's called Something She. I don't know who the bassist is, it, the actress, but the the drummer is on Glow. If you've seen Glow, she plays like the Wolf Lady um, in Glow. Did you watch Glow at all? No, I never have. Okay, she's like this like. Uh, wolf character like beast type sheila i think her name is she's she's great but she plays the drummer in this and is actually kind of more of a it's definitely more of a dramatic role but she's kind of the lighter character but she's a lot of fun i liked her a lot but basically uh it kind of shows it it chronicles the the journey of this band from kind of beginning to the end uh where 
it kind of starts in the beginning. It kind of cuts off each section of the way they tell the story on these like home footage type videos. Like the first one is where they are uh, very, they, they've just kind of like signed a deal and all that stuff and, and becoming popular. Then they cut into like where they're supposed to show like the quote unquote real life of it, where Becky is now very popular and or the band is very popular, but Becky is, is, kind of riding high on that she's literally she's she's on drugs and booze she's an addict very clearly an addict she's got like these weird religious things going on around her and just crazy diva you know doesn't give a shit about anyone but herself type of person and uh shows that she's starting to crash to rock bottom and kind of the first section they cut to another like video of, of her and her friends and then go to uh, more of this, but now she's she's still very much an addict, but she is she is uh, now on the down downfall. Like there's another group that's coming up that's uh, run by uh, led by uh, Cara Delevingne, who actually does a good job. I didn't really like her in, in a lot of the things uh, that I've seen her in. <laughs> uh, I, actually, she was one of the better parts of Larian, I thought, but obviously in Suicide Squad she was terrible. But I liked her in this; she did a good job. The uh, if you've seen uh, Kimmy Schmidt, actually the the daughter Zan Xander, I think that's what the, her name is. She is she is uh, the drummer for that band. Um, then I don't know who the other girl is, but um, also uh, Amber Heard is in this as well, and you know what she can do. Ooh, you're GD right. She can act really well. Um, <laughs> so so no, but she plays like kind of the contemporary. She's she's basically like the 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 popular one the entire time she knows becky like she's peers with becky at one point but she's like clearly like she's like the madonna of that time type of thing like always popular and like the star but she's friends with becky and but anyway so that's kind of where the the second half of the movie is where becky is now like she's still like this diva and and still very you know an addict and all that stuff but she's on the downward swing and she can't handle being second fiddle to this new band and type of stuff. And then they show a little bit more of that. And then it cuts to now it's been like a year. Uh, she's, she's been sober for a year and now is realizing all the shit she did and, and trying to become a better mother and, and, and dealing with like all these lawsuits she has against her and, and, and all this stuff. And it is really that that's my favorite part of the movie. Cause like they do an amazing job of making you absolutely hate her. Um, Elizabeth Moss is, perfect in this movie but they they make you hate her so much from all the stuff she does and you know like it's from the drugs and all that stuff but you, they they still make you hate her so much um and then when they come back around to the to the sober part and the consequences and all that stuff then they start to to throw in a little bit more of uh you know the sympathetic part of her her personality and they they you know kind of show that growing and then the, the ending of this movie they fucking stuck it they stuck the landing because with how much i hated this character i was just like oh i don't like i don't know what they're gonna do from here i think it's, it's just gonna be a completely you know depressing hateful movie towards her and and by the end of it when they stick the landing they really stick the landing and for me a lot like a lot of these independent movies can really swing for me depending on how they end it mm-hmm. and th- this is one where they really really did it and i uh i loved it i i i didn't know how i was feeling even like halfway through but by the end of it i really really loved it and it's because of 
the performances uh, by by Elizabeth Moss and a lot of these supporting characters that have had smaller roles and things and and haven't had the best performances in the past. They they do a really really good job um, it, supporting. But Elizabeth Moss is is the focal point of this. This is her movie, and uh, it's it's great. She does she does an outstanding job and and kind of taking you places where you think it might go, but pulling back from it and. And you know, it does keep you guessing, and but also keeps you like, what, where, what else is she gonna do? Well, you know, where can it go from here, and and all that too. So the I thought like the that like the the camera work, cinematography was cool because they did make it feel have like that eighties, late eighties, early nineties aesthetic with kind of the grainy feel to it. The music was actually, I mean, it was fine. Um, it seemed like it was original music and all that. Uh, Elizabeth Moss did a fine job, but that wasn't really the focal point. There wasn't a ton of music in this movie. There's a few songs, but compared to like a Teen Spirit or a Star Is Born. Fox Lux even the music wasn't really a focal point the focal point was the character and that was I think the one thing for me missing from Teen Spirit was not as much character work this one it was all pretty much character work with some music sprinkled in and um, I I loved it so it's it's not the for the faint of heart it's it's definitely a, a tough movie to sit through you have to sit in a lot of bad stuff um, and you have to sit sit through some kind of uh, cr- a lot of really cringeworthy stuff um, but for me, the payoff was really worth it. And, uh, it's, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's up there for, in my top movies of the year. Ooh, high praise. Uh, I, I looked it up 83 or yeah, 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. So pretty good scores there. Um, and the reviews that I've seen, uh, definitely lauding, uh, Elizabeth Moss for her performance. And man, she just, she, I think, I think that she's going to do like an Oscar at some point in her career. She's, oh yeah. You know, she's been doing a lot in, you know, Mad Men and, uh, of course, um, the, oh my God, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Yeah. Everything she's in, she's incredible. And her, her short role in Us is awesome. Or not Us. It is Us. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm, she's I'm getting us. all confused about Elizabeth Moss, but yes, she's great in that. And uh, to hear that she's done well in this is awesome. Well, we originally saw her in uh, The One I Love. Yeah, uh, she's so good in that. Oh, my gosh. Mark Duplass, yep. We've we've probably done this before, but let's fucking do it again. The One I Love. Retro recommend. It's going to be a little tough to find. Sometimes it's on Amazon. Uh, you may need to yeah. pay a couple bucks, but it is awesome like it's one of the movies i recommend most frequently even even more than the matrix probably not i don't think it's better than the Matrix. i don't like it more than the matrix oh it is but i recommend it more often fucking dope elizabeth moss is amazing let's see we have one film left and it's one that we both watched and it's wine country a lot of people watching this on netflix right now amy poehler tina fey whole bunch of other funny ladies in this one uh, the gal pals are off to Napa Valley to get drunk and get into fights and make funny jokes. And, uh, I'll go first. And for me, this is a movie that I had a good time watching. I thought was mm-hmm. funny. Uh, but I'm never going to think about it again. <laughs> it was just, it just self-contained in a couple hours. It doesn't do anything to reinvent. It's not any deeper than you anticipate going in. And I just had a fun time and then it was over and that was it. Uh, so I, I liked it. And I and I'm, I would recommend it because it's funny. But outside of that, I didn't really have a ton of of thoughts in terms of of critics or you know of critical thinking. Maybe you've got more. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's really not a lot to critique here. But I I mean, going a little bit deeper. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely. I, I agree that you said it's probably not one I'll go back to. Or maybe you know maybe someday if someone has it on, I'd watch it or something. But 
I did really enjoy the chemistry between the, I think it's six of them. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like, I think the best chemistry is obviously, like, with, with Maya Rudolph and, and uh, Amy Poehler. Uh, Tina Fey plays a really funny... Her character's uh, wacky as shit. It's so good. You can tell, like, they uh, that Tina Fey had... I don't know if she wrote this movie or was involved with it in, in, in that capacity, but... Um, that role was probably in the script and she was like i want that because Mm. she like she you could tell she's having just a fucking blast with that role she plays like a she so the these girls go and rent a house um like you said in napa and tina fey is the house owner and she's there like she it's like an like an airbnb type situation um and so she's there and kind of interacting with them while they're there and stuff and and she's like a very weird like she's almost she's dressed like a lumberjack and mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of type of thing and she she's very like almost sounds like she's kind of like from North Dakota and she's she can tell like she's not acclimated to people so she's just very like on the nose about stuff but um not like fully aware of what's going on in a certain situation she's great she's perfect in that i also really liked um Jason Schwartzman in this one, <laughs> he he was uh, he was like the the housemaid type guy. Yep. Um, uh, he uh, Derek, I think his name was. He was perfect. He was he was hilarious. Um, <laughs> he was like always hitting on some of them and like just very dumb, like aloof type of guy. But he was he was great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they definitely had certain roles mapped out for each one of them. Um, different like little subplots for each one of them, but I thought they all meshed well together. They had good chemistry together. It takes this, this similar path. Like all these do where, you know, they, they're all together and happy and then fight and then they're happy again, you know, type thing. But, mm. um, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, definitely happy. I watched it. It's one that, you know, if you have, if you have something to chemically and en- en- enjoy your, your viewing, viewing pleasure more, whether it be, you know, booze or, you know, out there in Oregon, um, <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's uh, a lot of wine out here in Oregon. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. So, you know, definitely check it out if you have a chance. Yeah. Grab your gal pals or your, your man pals and uh, sip on a nice, uh, I I'm currently sipping on a nice, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and, uh, I'd highly recommend having a little bit of wine and, and watching that one. Cause they certainly did while they were making it. Um, then mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a funny movie. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, sh- I'm short about it. I don't have a ton to say, but I did enjoy it. It's got some very funny parts. I was laughing very hard at certain parts of it. Um, so it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. And, uh, you can catch it on Netflix for nothing right now. So, uh, check that out. I feel like if, if you're a fan of, of any of those funny, like Paula Pell, um, is a person who was in that, that, I was not aware of before and apparently she she's like old school um Saturday Night Live and she was the one cast member that I was like I don't know what this lady's gonna bring to the table but she was hilarious she's kind of the the one that like looks a little bit older than them is a little bigger and mm-hmm. uh she had some funny lines in here uh Rachel Dratch is the birthday they're celebrating yeah. she is fucking funny Rachel Dratch yeah. never gets enough credit for how funny she is but she is hysterical um, yeah, her chemistry with with Amy Poehler is great too. Mm-hmm. Amy Poehler's playing a character here that's a little different than what you might expect too. She's kind of the uptight mm-hmm. planner one, and um, less on the goofy side than you may expect. Uh, her and and Tina Fey, I feel like both of those characters were ones that I did not expect them to be playing. I kind of expected them to be, you know, the gal pals at the forefront, uh, surrounded by their supporting friends. Um, so I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that they took on different roles than I expected. But yeah, it was a fun time. Wine Country, Netflix. And that is the fine. We had we have five recommends this week. Five lo- five loved it. And um I'm I'm excited about that. I think that 
uh, a lot of good stuff coming out right now. And, and we don't often hate a movie, but it, it's to do five that we loved uh, is pretty impressive. So I'm happy. That uh, reviews, as, as is usual, it's going to take us to the end of the show. But before we go, we're going to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I wanted to talk briefly about a show that just came to an end this last week. It's HBO's Veep. And uh, the short final season, I think it was six episodes, uh, wrapped up last Sunday in a perfect final episode. And there's not a lot of episodes that I watch from beginning to end, but I've seen every episode of Veep. And I've not seen many shows end on a more perfect ending than this did. Uh, I was very happy with the wrap up of it. And more generally, just like the entire run of Veep, for someone who is looking for a show and like hasn't tried Veep yet, but has heard it's good and is thinking about it, do it. It is fucking <laughs> hilarious. Like, do it. You can't go, I, I promise you, you will not go two entire minutes of Veep without laughing out loud. There is so much humor in here. It's a lot of, you have to be okay with a lot of like, they're constantly like ripping on each other in some pretty horrible, like there's some horrible shit that people say to each other in this, but it's all funny. Um, it's very satirical. You have to be also willing to endure. A, so there's some non PC, uh, comedy in here that I think works. Uh, I'm not generally in favor of non PC comedy for its own sake, but here it works because of the world they set it in. And I think just top to bottom Veep is a great show that I want to recommend. And especially now that it's wrapped up, you can watch the entire thing on Netflix. I think people got to go out and see it. So that's, that's my one more thing. Just go watch Veep. Just do it. If you haven't done it yet, fucking do it. It's not on Netflix. It's on, uh, did HBO, I say Netflix? Right? What did I say? Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> HBO. Uh, find find yourself an HBO password and uh, and go watch Veep. Including you, Seth. Go watch Veep. Well, I do have your password, so. Exactly. So, uh, you, you mentioned uh, with, uh, fuck, oh, PC. So, you mentioned with, with Veep being PC. Uh, one person who's always been pretty PC is is Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, always out there trying to get people to to you know save their resources and save the planet and and to uh, you save know be better people and yeah save the world and do cool jumps and uh, this week I think Bill Bill just lost it uh, Bill <laughs> Bill uh, he's tired of it he's fed up with people not trying to save the planet so uh, let's let's hear some words from Bill Nye. Here, I've got an experiment for you. Safety glasses on. By the end of this century, if emissions keep rising, the average temperature on Earth could go up another four to eight degrees. What I'm saying is the planet's on fucking fire. (laughs) There are a lot of things we could do to put it out. Are any of them free? No, of course not. Nothing's free, you idiots. Grow the fuck up. You're not children anymore. I didn't mind explaining photosynthesis to you when you were 12, but you're adults now, and this is an actual crisis. Got it? Safety glasses off, motherfuckers. (laughs) Uh, Safety glasses off, motherfuckers, is going to be on my headstone. (laughs) When he says... um... Grow the fuck up. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teaching this shit when I was 12, when you were 12. <laughs> so that was on a uh, a wider uh, episode about, um, it was an eco kind of episode of John Oliver and they cut away to that and it was, I was dying. I'm glad that it found its way to you 
Um, cause I forgot to recommend it to you when I saw it. Cause that's, yeah, it was that on, uh, I saw it on Twitter, but, uh, he was just on an episode of inside, uh, armchair expert with Dak Shepard, his podcast. Oh. And, uh, he, I mean, just the way he talks about this stuff, it's so simple. And it's just like, like the way he's saying it there is like, it's, it's duh. It's like, mm-hmm. we can do a number of things just simply. I mean, it costs money for a certain company. Companies don't want to give up the profits, but just simple things that we can do with a lot of shit that would make a lot of sense and help you know the environment and stuff but you know people are stubborn and want to make money and you know kill the planet <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh it's a shame but bill's passionate about that and i, I gotta applaud it I, every time i hear him he's he, he's all about it so that's good i i don't think we're gonna get another season of bill nye saves the world though that makes me sad that is a true bummer but uh, help me out with the line here, Seth. With with Veep and with Bill Nye, we can, dare I say it? Save the world. Save the world this week and one more thing. <laughs> but I'm down to one more, one more thing. That is going to take us to the end of episode number 94 of the SoCo Show. A lot of fun stuff this week. Links to all of the stories we talked about are in the description box. All sorts of fun stuff to be had there. Also, we're going to link you out to the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. Lots of good stuff going on over there. Uh, most recently, a JB Classic. That was that was a request from the SoCo Show. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers over <laughs> there on the JB. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Seth, have you? Yeah, it's good. good it's stuff. good. Seth says it's good, so get out there and watch it. Uh, again, that, It's that's, good. It's good. It might be. I am the cream. It just might be <laughs> the cream. Uh, so, yeah. Check out the description as, as box much, for all the fun stuff. As much as I like that video, I really like something else a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I really like feet. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, though. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, it's been a fun episode number 94. Again, check the description box for all the links, all of our contact info, and all that fun stuff. Share the show with a friend. Uh, bring more folks into the SoCo party and uh, let them know what we're all about. As we approach an exciting episode number 100 uh, in just about five weeks, um, lots of fun stuff. We're, we're working on some cool stuff behind the scenes and we're excited to kind of roll some stuff out uh, alongside episode 100. So bring in as many friends as you can uh, before we hit that milestone. But for now, though, he is the so host Seth Ott. I am the co-host Cody Michael. Come on back in seven days and we will... See you next week. Bye. I really like feet.